to the Coyote Fitness Podcast. I've had 150 milligrams of pure natural caffeine and dadgummit, am I still tired. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what we call it in public is uh, caffeine. Yeah. Right? Yes. Oh, wow. Pure caffeine. So how, how did you get to sure, caffeine? Uncut. What was the delivery system? Pour over, French press, Chemex, uh, Keurig? Not sponsored Ignite. Kill Cliff Ignite. Oh. Uh, 321 in the store. But it could be sponsored. So you know what? I got to tell you, I listened back to our other episode, and uh, I actually enjoyed our conversation around uh, cheating foods. Yes. It's pretty good. In honor of that, I've had multiple honey buns since we recorded We've that. shared a honey bun together. We did, yeah. yeah. Although, I haven't gone the, the peanut butter route. I'm, I'm really curious, but to be honest, it just takes so much work to get both of those things in the house The peanut butter the on the time. Oreo thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah Although, I'm, I'm pretty intrigued. Thank goodness that psychopath isn't recording with us today. I agree with that. And I stand behind <laughs> the fact that the double stuff is just, that crosses a line. Mm. That's my opinion. Did you ever go and try the thins, though? I've had the thins, I knew. I knew. Anyway! <laughs> anyway. Sorry. If you like snacks, this is the perfect time to go to the grocery store and buy load up on candy, though. That is true. The but day I, after Halloween. I yeah. noticed this problem, um, actually, when Halloween, whenever Halloween was, when this comes out. Yes. <laughs> I noticed this problem last night <laughs> that... Six. Yeah, that's right. Um, the, the mixed bag of candy is just always a disappointment to me because everything tastes like everything. That's why you don't put, if you're putting out candy, you don't put chocolate stuff with fruity stuff in the same bowl. You well, ruin it for so the you're people saying that it well, the, well, the problem the is, too, it's, yes, it does. Yes. You're, Reese's you're just, absorb yeah. flavor of other candies they like do. nothing else. They really? Do. Yeah. Absolutely. And, but the other problem is, too, is like you're just going to end up with a bunch of boxes of milk duds in there. Uh, <laughs> here's I, it, here's no, this rock with chocolate rolls. on it. Go eat it. I like both of those candies. Here's a rock with chocolate on it. Hey, speaking of rocks with chocolate on it, we're talking about Hunter today. Yes. Oh. Hey, boom. Wow. Best one ever. We'll wow. take that a lot different direction. <laughs> later, uh, uh, we'll later, off later, on, later on down the road, when our outside the box topic is top five segues on this show, that will be, That's number, one. be, up there. That will be number one. In fact, I think the name of this episode should be Rocks with Chocolate on Sure. Why not? It can be whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> So we actually have a pretty interesting topic uh, uh, next episode, but this episode we're talking about Hunter. So. <laughs> <laughs> really can't wait for next episode. Let's just get through this one. But I think it's something that's probably intriguing our listeners because every episode we t- we hint around it because this isn't just a job. You know, you don't come in and punch a clock. It's this effort that you guys are involved with is very very personal, and a lot of people don't know the backstory. And what's more dangerous is people kind of know part of the backstory, so that lets them make assumptions. You know, for instance, with you, Hunter, be like, oh, this guy was an athlete. He he played some pro ball and he did this and that. So there's they, a lot of rumors going around on the internet. We just want to clear. That <laughs> that's why we'd like to clear that up. This is going out to my friends on Reddit, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, what we talking about me? That's right. What we want to do is kind of give people a pretty clear picture because, and here I th- this is the major goal, so that people can understand that you've had a journey as well to get to get to where you are. The journey, really, for you, your life philosophy is the journey's uh, always continuing. But it helps people to know, especially if they're submitting the program, they're pr- participating in a, in the community here in the culture. What's kind of helped build that? And you would say a lot of that is your backstory. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. Well, that's what I do. That's why I'm here. I I think, uh, yeah, you know, I think 
when we talk to people, especially people who are just wanting to know about CrossFit and they think that CrossFit maybe is the only thing that we've ever done or whatever the case may be and that we just happen to land on that. But there's a reason that we chose this type of training, this type of methodology is because there's we've tried a lot of things that have led us to this point and there's a reason that we're so passionate about it because we've done so many other things and I think a lot of people might not have gone through that path and so it, it's I think it's really good to visit why we got to where we are and why um, we have chosen to to choose this type of training and health and fitness and all that type of stuff because then it, it, it makes a lot more sense and maybe you can help other people not make the mistakes that we made not go down the path we have not try the things that we've already tried that didn't work mm. if, if that makes sense yeah a lot of it comes down to return on investment you know and you guys have determined this is the greatest return on investment uh but let's let's kind of talk let's talk about young hunter can we you know like so as things started you uh you were born into a family that loves athletics uh it would seem that's just the assumption i'm making but at least you were attracted to uh, being an athlete, had some success as an athlete. How far back do you want to go here? I'm pretty interested in the hunter that first realized, man, I enjoy this. Um, so, yeah, my dad was uh, was a really big athlete. He uh, had a couple opportunities to play. Well, he played baseball in college. He had uh, a couple opportunities to play football as well. Um, so he was really big into sports and um uh, I, my, the first sport I played was soccer. Uh, it was either <coughs> soccer or t-ball. I can't remember which one came first, but it was at the same age. I was probably six. And I don't remember a whole lot about it. I do remember sleeping in my soccer jersey the night before games. That's what I'm talking and, about. And like waking up at like 5 a.m. before the sun's come up because I'm so excited to play. And, uh, you know, at five years old, you know, you're playing t-ball, you're playing soccer. Soccer's just a big mass of people running up and down the field, whatever, but... I do remember that, and then you know, playing outside with my friends all the time. Um, somewhere along the way, uh, I realized that I, that I was good at soccer. I was good at baseball, um, and those are the first two sports that I really kind of fell in love with. And I don't know the reason why I decided that I just wanted to play those sports. It was just kind of I did it, and I was good at it. And my dad started coaching me too, so I'm sure that probably had a lot to do with it because I got to spend a lot of time with him. But um, Maybe nine, ten. That's kind of when I started getting serious. I would say about uh, about them. I made all star team, and the first year I switched over to North Jackson baseball. Um, at nine, I made the all star team. My dad was the coach, and looking back on that, that's kind of when things started like progressing pretty quickly for me um, in those sports. And then I, I guess I started kind of maturing a little bit as a as a nine or ten. I don't know. I guess that's kind of like a little mini growth spurt at that age, looking back on it. So, um, yeah, and, and <laughs> from that point on, my life re- just completely revolved around sports. That's that's all that it was. It was fall was soccer, winter was indoor soccer, spring was soccer going into baseball, and then summer was baseball, and then the cycle continued. I mean, I can I don't I don't think I had more than a couple weeks off every single every single year. It was straight one to the other and then started playing football in fifth, sixth grade, started playing basketball and then just the cycle continued. Like my mom always tells a story of her picking me up from soccer practice or baseball practice and me like changing out my baseball clothes and putting my soccer uh, shin guards on to go to soccer game. And mm-hmm. I just loved it. Like that's all I wanted to do. I didn't care about um, really anything else. So uh, that, that, as far as I can remember, my life revolved around sports. 
Yeah, so this becomes important later when you kind of get to a crossroads where you're setting sports down. You know, that kind of, that really important part of your life, you're like, man, that there's a big gap here. There's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. So the way that I know you're a really inquisitive guy, you study a lot. So was there ever a point, even as a young man in sports, where kind of the love of the game receded a little bit, whatever game that was, because you were just so intense on having things to be perfect and making sure you're maximizing your potential. I could think with, like, a dad as a coach, there was probably a lot of mechanics talk going yeah. on. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say that I got into delving into how to actually get better um, off the field to get better at sports until probably college because it just revolved around going from one season to the other. I never really had the off season, which, looking back on it, probably I know it definitely hurt me as an overall athlete in my development because I never spent the time to like build a base to actually become a better you know have a higher ceiling in my particular sport because I was just always playing sports I wasn't ever you know practicing or getting better at stuff and I started lifting weights you know my dad bought me a weight set and that was the first time I started lifting weights was in my room and I can remember like laying on the ground and doing floor press like I, I thought you know I didn't know what I was doing but I was doing floor press with these light dumbbells or bench uh, barbells um, doing curls in my room doing push-ups doing girls sit-ups the girls yeah that's right you know <laughs> just just lifting weights because I was always extremely you know, very skinny um, and weak uh, for my for my age and I think a lot of it had to do with me always playing sports and then not eating I know I didn't eat enough I, I never ate breakfast before school um, I didn't eat a whole lot at lunch, so I was always skinny kid. Um, really, you know, athletic, but not strong. Um, and so that's kind of that was kind of me all throughout junior high and high school. You know, I, <laughs> my in, in football, I went to I went to weight training every single day I was supposed to if I wasn't playing sports in the summertime. But I was always like they I, they wrote up on the board like uh, the the. Um, all of our maxes for everybody in our grade. And I was all, literally the weakest guy in my grade on the team every single, all three years of, of high school. And so I was always embarrassed by that. But, and I went a whole lot. I just didn't get a whole lot stronger. Um, and I think it, you know, goes, you know, go looking back on now, it's from not eating and doing too much and not recovering all that type of stuff. But um, my, my football weight coach made a joke, you know, when I saw him later on in life, he's like, Man, in high school you were allergic to iron. You know, <laughs> like you hated working, and I hated. I I could not stand going to the gym. I hated it so much, but and and lifting weights. But I did it because I was supposed to, and I wanted. You know, I knew I needed to do that to actually play. But to me, it was all about the the game, all about the competition, all about competing, um, being a part of a team, all about winning. You know, that's what it was all about for me growing up. It wasn't about what do I need to do to get better. Now I was. I practiced a lot, and a lot of that was driven by my dad. Um, baseball, going out to the field on Sundays and him hitting me ground balls, going to the batting cage all the time, hitting, hitting, hitting. And I, I didn't enjoy doing that stuff. I just did it. Um, I enjoyed playing. I didn't enjoy training or figuring out what I needed to do to get better. That makes sense. I mean, I think a lot of guys at that age, a lot of athletes, male or female, have that experience. My curiosity is peaked right now. If you had to like put some sort of percentage in there, like uh, success, the percentage of your success that was based on talent and based on work, and I'm going somewhere with this. Yeah. You know, sub 18, were you just riding talent or? I don't know. I did. I practiced. A lot. I just loved it. So I I would practice a lot at home too. 
I, I had a little mini goal, and I would take my brother out there and make him play goalie, and I would shoot at him all the time. <laughs> They're famous stories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he actually got to be a really good goalie because I practiced on him so much. Um, I would set up cones and dribble. I just loved playing, and if I couldn't play with other people, I would you know practice by myself just because I loved it so much. Um, I wasn't the type of kid. I mean, I played video games, and I read and did other things, and I played with my friends in the neighborhood some, but... I like to, to play sports, and so that's what I did when I practiced. And there was a, I, I spent a lot of time practicing. I know I probably practiced more than any other kids in my, on my teams, and I think that had a lot to do with it, uh, me getting better. But I was also um, I was naturally good at, at pretty much everything I did. And um, I talked to my dad about this now and kind of how I got into all these sports. And he was like, you know, I wasn't really trying to force you to play anything, but I would put you in something you'd just be good at it. And so – um, I didn't want to like, you know, I, I didn't want to like not let you play something that you're good at and you enjoyed so much. And you, and so that's kind of, I, you know, it's hard to say what came first, the chicken or the egg. You know, um, I know I spent a lot, I know I spent a lot of time playing them. I spent more time playing than anybody else on my team. I know that. Um, but I was also good at it. So it was kind of, you know, both. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm, I'm just trying to tease out a little bit. You get to the collegiate level, not to move too quickly through your story, but mm-hmm. You know, some of the most interesting interesting stuff happens college, post-college for you, uh, you know, from being friends, just knowing this part of your story. So you get to college, and how, what, what changes there for you? So the summer after my senior year, uh, I was, my senior year, I was 6'3", about 180 pounds. Uh, my sophomore year, I was 150. So I actually had been putting on muscle and getting bigger, but I was just so skinny and weak to start with, like, even though I was getting stronger, I still was way behind everybody else. Well, the summer after my senior high school, I stopped playing sports completely. I played a little bit of baseball, but I decided to go play baseball at Millsaps. And um, so I had this whole summer, and I was like, I got to get stronger. And so I went to this guy who owned a gym out in actually uh, in uh, Florence, Chris. And uh, he, I went there, and he gave me a, a program. Like he gave me the sheet with like places where you can fill in. Uh, what you did every day and it was like a little grid and he he told me the stuff and it was basic bodybuilding type stuff but I did it four days a week every single week was it that uh, bigger stronger faster program no this was just like but it was basically just like bodybuilding type stuff like bench press 15 12 10 squats (laughs) it was bench press squats uh curls lunges all this type of stuff and so for the first time in my life I was not playing soccer um, I wasn't really playing baseball a whole lot just because it was. I had a lot of free time that summer. I had a job, and so I worked out four days a week for three months straight. And I showed up and I ate a lot. And I was, you know, I was looking back on it because I was recovering and I was eating and I wasn't doing so much. Um, and I showed up to to campus about one ninety five two hundred. So I put on fifteen to twenty pounds of solid muscle, and I was ripped. And uh, I remember when the first time I saw my coach. And he like his eyes got all big because he was like, oh, like you look a complete different person, and that was when I fell in love with the training aspect because I saw what it could do to my body and how much strong I, I kind of fell in love with putting in the work and getting stronger, and then that kind of carried over my whole time in college. I was I was a gym rat, you know. I I lifted more than anybody on the team, and people would always accuse me of doing you know, cheating and doing these other things uh, because I was making so much more progress than everybody else. But I was like, man, I'll show you my training log. Like, I still have that that 
that spreadsheet that that I filled in. Like, of course he does. That doesn't yeah. surprise me at all. No, I mean, all. I, I mean, I was. It was just like it was addicting, like doing the sets and filling it in on the on the in the block, you know. And I got so addicted to making sure I uh, made you know hit every single set, hit every single rep, wrote down my weight, never missed a day. And so um, I got addicted to that feeling of making progress and working hard and seeing it transfer over into my body and then transfer over into baseball and like I can hit the ball farther I can I can um you know throw harder all that type of stuff so let me can we pause here and yeah. just kind of bring it into current situation because the people who walk in to experience Coyote they have that season mm -hmm. where they're they're trying something new they're frustrated with other things and you've just described that in that you were accidentally doing something that was hurting your ability to progress. Yeah. Was there like this light bulb moment? You described it as like a, a over a summer, but did you get in there one day and be like, you know what, I'm just going for broke here? Or was it, I'm preparing to go play collegiate baseball, I better do, you know, what was your motivation there? Everybody's got a point. My motivation was, uh, in high school I was trying to figure out, I knew I wanted to play sports in college, I really wanted to be a kicker, and I was trying to kick in college, and I got some interest in that, and then it kind of waned. So I didn't, I didn't have a whole, you know, I had some really small, like junior college and, and small school opportunities to, to go play football, but I just decided that I really wanted to play professional baseball. And so I knew, I, I, I can't remember at what point, but I was like, I'm going to do whatever I can do to get better at that. And so I kind of looked at myself as a whole, like I need to, if I'm an outfielder, I need to have a stronger arm. Um, I need to be faster and I need to be bigger and stronger. And so that's what I worked on. I lifted weights a lot. I had... Um, all the speed and agility stuff that I had left over from football and I would do that I would run stadium stairs and then I would do long toss program all the time and and stretch and so that's kind of how I looked at it and I, I, I fell in love with the as the training aspect of what I need to get better at what I need to do it let me do it every single day and I was you know I was just addicted to that and that was kind of my my whole college career was trying to get better and I got a lot bigger, a lot stronger in, in, in college. I think, like I said, I graduated about 180 pounds. I think the biggest I got in college was probably 225 maybe, um, which looking back on it, I was doing a lot of bodybuilding stuff that actually probably hurt me in baseball because I got so tight. And I know I, I ended up tearing my labrum in my shoulder because my chest was so tight. Um, and I did it swinging a swinging a bat which I told the doctor how I did and he'd never heard of anybody doing it that way um, but you know there was a lot of benefit to that and I learned the value of hard work and finding something that you want to work towards and, and working towards it um, but there's a lot of things that I would do different as far as training um, looking back on it now it's crazy just hearing the story behind building the base because you you developed a reputation as a home run hitter over time, you know, so you, you go back to your childhood, you and your dad sharing time together, learning the mechanics of a swing, which mm -hmm. is kind of what he's known for. Yeah. Right. And then <clears throat> you put in the work at the gym and then you start seeing these benefits physically. Then it affects the game. Mm -hmm. The home run actually plays a pretty important role through your collegiate years and then also has a pretty important role in that in the professional mm -hmm. career that you had. So you go through college, you experience success. I'm just trying to hit the, you know, the wave tops here. You get finished with college, you've got another decision to make. What are you going to chase? Take us to that point. Yeah, well, speaking to that, you know, the home run thing, the most home runs I'd ever hit in a season until college was three. 
Um, and then I ended up hitting 41 in college. And so that just kind of shows you like the difference all the training made. And, you know, I also changed my swing in college too. And so I think seeing that success, mm. like seeing the roots of all that labor, like really added fuel to the fire. Like, hey, if I put the work in, like this can, like I, I can see the results. And so that made me fall in love with it. Yeah, I, after college, I you know, I was hoping to get drafted. That didn't work out. And so I signed with the independent team and I had some success doing that. But after my second, I got cut after uh, about a month of my, my second season. So I was back home and I was really trying to get picked back up by a team. And, you know, I had student loans that I had deferred for a year and I was about to have to start paying them. I was 23, I guess, 24, somewhere in there. And um, I was like, man, I had to have a sit, sit down and have a good hard look at this. I was like, maybe this dream that I've been working towards is not going to work out. You know, life is, is coming at me pretty quick. And so I started looking for a job, and that was 2010. And around the same time, you know, all the all throughout this, I've been working out at, like, you know, what we call the Globo Gym now. Like, going in there, I, I see, I'd see the same people all the time. I would kind of go in and do my own thing. But I was working out consistently four days a week all throughout there, not really ever missing. And I just ran into a guy that I met in college who um, was like, you need to come do this CrossFit thing with me. And he had showed it to me in college when I was doing, I was, I met him when I was, he was working at a PT place and he uh, he was working PT place when I had was doing uh, therapy for my shoulder after my surgery. And they showed me <coughs> this video of people doing CrossFit um, and it was like, three people working out and I remember distinctly that one girl stopped in the middle of it and threw up in a bucket and then kept on working out and I was like I'm not doing that. why would I ever do that that's stupid like why why, why would I do something that's going to make me throw up and he was like we're, we're going to go back and flip this tire out back later on if you want to I was like no I'm not doing that <laughs> and uh so I continued to play baseball and then I saw him I ran into him one weekend and he's like you need to come do CrossFit with me and it was just at a point where I was kind of done with baseball, and uh, I ta I'm take that back. I'm sorry, that's wrong. I saw him before my second season of baseball, and he was like, "This will really help your baseball. Why don't you come do it?" And I, I had a month before I was supposed to go to spring training. It's like, "Yeah, I'll come do it." So I I went and did it for a month, and I made I showed up for playing that year like in the best shape I'd ever been in just after a month of doing it. And I was like, I felt better. I was faster. Uh, my bat was faster. I was like, man, this is pretty cool. Like I've been, it's not like I wasn't training. I've been training four days a week for years and years and years on end. And after a month of doing that, I felt way, way more in shape. And so I was like, man, there's, I'm going to do this when I, when I get done playing baseball, um, this, this off season, this is all I'm going to do. Well, then I go on, I get, I get released and I come back home and I'm trying to get picked pick back up. And I go back to the gym where I normally went to because I didn't have any money. I didn't. I couldn't really afford to go to CrossFit. And I was trying to do CrossFit workouts on my own. And I tried to do my old stuff, and it was just really boring. It's like just not really getting a whole lot out of this. And I tried to do some CrossFit workouts in there, but I just couldn't really get the intensity or the dose or whatever. Um, and so once the season was over, and I knew I wasn't going to get picked back up. I was like, all right, I'm going back. And so I went and joined that August. Um, and that's kind of when I just started going all in on CrossFit because I just kind of fell in love with it. Yeah, so you end up having this big life transition. Uh, you know, your baseball story ends. 
Um, and I won't say in, in typical fashion, but it ends in a way like your love for the what's required outside of the game to be successful. Your love for the game never waned, but mm-hmm. I mean, you know, tracking across the country on a bus, hotel stays, yeah. you know, the lifestyle just it wore on you a bit and you find yourself behind a desk, right? And But CrossFit is, has planted a seed at that point. So during the day, you're pushing paper, mm-hmm. right? If I remember this right. Yeah. During the day, you're pushing paper. Wait, then, wait, please tell me the job. What desk job is So I, uh, I, I got a job working at a, uh, as a freight manager for a company. Uh, basically, I was the boss of anywhere from 15 to 20 truck drivers at a time who were all old enough to be my grandfather. I was yeah. 24, 25 and, and, years and old. And they all love hearing what a 24-year-old yeah. yeah. has to tell them. Yeah, so that was tough. And then I sat at a desk all day, you know, behind a computer, answering phone calls, emails. And if you know me, like... Watching CrossFit videos. Look, yeah, if you know me, you know I don't like to sit down, sit still for that long. And so I just, I, I really didn't like it. So I, I would be done with my work by around 11 or 12, and then I would start watching CrossFit videos, reading CrossFit articles, reading training articles, doing programming, just trying to learn everything I could about CrossFit because I, I, I did CrossFit for a few months and then I got invited to this local competition where they did, we did Fight Gone Bad. It, mm-hmm. I, I think you might've been there or I you know did, what it was. I missed that one. I know what it was. So. But it was a bunch of people out there doing Fight Gone Bad. And I was like, man, this is really cool. And for me, like I've been competing my whole life and this was just the next thing I could compete at. I was like, this is cool. So I started doing research. I found some videos on, I found about the CrossFit games and I just started watching. I fell in love with it. I was like, I want to do that. I want to compete at the CrossFit games. And so, um, at the time there was like, you had in 2010, you had to go to a sanctional, which was like at a location and then you could qualify for regionals and then from the regionals you qualify for the games. So, well, I'm going to go to this sanctional next year or sectional it was sectional and uh so i start training i'm do- i'm doing the class and then um i start doing two class two classes a day when i have free time well then 2011 rolls around and that that's what the first year they had the online open um and so i'm like all right i'm going to do that and i actually did really well um and i qualified for regionals the first year which had been my goal um, going into it was just to qualify for regionals. No, I don't even think that was my goal. I think my goal was just to go to the, to the sectional and compete. And so I qualified through the Open the first year. And I was like, oh, man, this is pretty cool. So I keep training. And that June, the, the uh, regional was in uh, Texas. And so I go, and I just – there is when I really fell in love with competing because I had a lot of fun, and I saw um, this is something that – is in your control and that was something that always really frustrated me about baseball because I felt like I wasn't given a fair shake I felt like I knew I had way better numbers than a lot of people who were getting opportunity to play uh, who had gotten drafted ahead of me but I just didn't get the opportunity because certain scouts didn't like me or whatever and so I was like well I really like CrossFit because it's all about either you do it or you don't you know it's just about your time compared to somebody else's time and that's completely within your control and this is all the aspects that I really enjoyed about baseball and training of figuring out what areas you need to work on and working on them. And it all transferred over in CrossFit. I was like, okay, well, this all goes straight into this. I need to figure out what I need to get better at, and I'm just going to work at it. Well, here's the place I'm trying to get to, listening to your story, and I think it's been leading a lot of my questions. My big curiosity, I think, is mirrored by the people listening. 
all of this backstory is actually put together to affect the way that you run a business, the way that you coach, the things that you emphasize as an athlete. It kind of gives us a little bit of a, a door to see what your motivations are. So talking about all this backstory as an athlete with baseball and putting in the work, equaling results, how do you think that backstory has really influenced the culture you're trying to build here? Um, you know, I think, number one, it led me to, to choose this type of training because I've tried so many different things. You know, I've tried the bodybuilding type stuff, the typical gym stuff, um, sports-specific training, all that. You know, I went down pretty much every avenue I could, could trying to make myself a better athlete in college and after, and um, I got more results. I had CrossFit in a month than I did doing other stuff, and so that's why I fell in love with it. And I think it just taught me that if you're willing to put the work in, you can get the results that you want. And so that's something that we talk about a lot here is um, putting the work in and then also looking at every aspect of a person's um, health and fitness journey, not just what they're doing in the gym. You know, they need to also look at their recovery, uh, their diet, yeah, their mindset, all that type of stuff. And so I think using, using that you know, the journey that I've been on to help other people has been really fun because I've learned so much by trying so many different things and, and failing at so many different things and finding what works and what doesn't and trying this and trying that and kind of using myself as an experiment over, you know, almost over 30 years now and being able to use all that experience and bundle it up and say, hey, go to somebody who their first day in the gym who might want to do something like, look, this is the shortcut. You don't have to go make all these mistakes that I've made. Um, you can use what I've learned and it's going to help you get there a lot faster. Um, and then also seeing when other people are, you know, making the same mistakes that I've made and say, Hey, you know, I, I, I tried to do it that way before and it might work for you, but, uh, I found a way that worked a lot better for me and it's helped, you know, other people, it's helped a lot of other people. So this, you know, this might be something that you want to do. And so you just kind of looking at the whole, aspect of of a person and and figuring out let's figure out the best way to help you get there the fastest um and the most efficient yeah i can see that i'll also see the piece of like the changing goals like you've been through a co as you were telling your story you've been through a couple of different seasons mm -hmm. and you got to these crossroads and decision making points and uh you know to be able to look at a, a client or a athlete in the community you're not necessarily there to judge what their goals are. Mm -hmm. They're able to establish those goals and you say, okay, based on that goal, I've probably been in that season of, of life as an athlete and I can tell you what you need to focus on first, what's probably gonna be your major pitfall. You know, it feels like your approach is, um, you don't have to learn from your own mistakes, you can learn from my mistakes, which you know requires a lot of vulnerability. Absolutely, and, and trust and vulnerability and trying to build that trust with other people and. Um, you know, all, you can only do that through time and, um, but just trying to put out there what I've learned and, and help other people do that way. But, um, I think that, uh, for most people, this, they come in with a very, I guess, short term goal. Uh, I want to lose 10 pounds or whatever the case may be and trying to help people understand like, this is a long, this is a lifelong journey. And your goals are going to change throughout your journey. My goals have changed hundreds of times. You know, my goals are completely different now than they were 
two years ago. They're completely different now than they were 10 years ago. You know, I've been doing CrossFit almost 10 years now, and my goal now is completely different than it was then. But being able to meet people where they're at in their journey and helping them understand, like, this is not just a three-month-long thing. This is a lifetime journey, and helping them figure out where they're at in that journey and where they're at in their CrossFit journey. You know, when you there's so many aspects to CrossFit to when you first come in, you want to do all the stuff, and then you start getting good at things, and you find something you want to focus on, and maybe you want to compete, or maybe you want to lose weight, and then a couple years down, down the road, you might not want that anymore, and if you keep trying to achieve that goal that you that really you don't really deep down care about anymore it, it's going to leave you like feeling burnout or um like unmotivated and helping to keep people keep it fresh and finding something else to work on or in your, you're in this season of life like you got a lot going on outside <clears throat> the gym like you can't be coming in here and killing yourself every single day in the gym because you're not able to recover outside the gym just helping people figure out where they're at in their own particular journey and and giving them the best um, advice that I can give them um, to help them get through there because I, you know, I've been through a lot of different things and I want to be able to um, apply that and, and help other people. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I see that. I, I see you living that out. So, uh, how I'd like to wrap up just the story portion of, of the podcast is to throw this question to you: If you could take, you know, um, your philosophy of coaching CrossFit basically in this format. I'm Hunter and I'm boom, you know, if you could put it in a sentence or a paragraph, what would you say is like the most important thing for you when it comes to coaching and influencing other people with this way of life? The most important thing for me? Yeah. Yeah. Just important that you would want to pass to the people inside this culture. Oh, um, it's a big question. Yeah. I, I would say to me, the most important thing that I want to try to do is to, um, meet people where they are and care about them and and show them that I care um, and be vulnerable with them and share my experiences. I think my goal more than anything at this point is to use what I've learned to help other people and help people avoid the pitfalls and the mistakes that I've made and help people get to where they want to be faster because there's nothing more satisfying than um, seeing somebody do something that they... Um, never thought they could do or you know they're able to lose weight that's going to help them healthier be be healthier live longer all that type of stuff it i mean it's just really cool to be able to to apply what i've learned and help other people but i would say um for most people play the long game hmm. stop playing the day-to-day -day game um most so many people get caught up with how did I do on this workout and they'll leave the gym feeling discouraged because they didn't do what so-and-so did and it's stop focusing on what everybody else is doing focus on yourself and think long term don't think about where am I going to be in two months where am I going to be in 20 years where am I going to be in 30 years it is what I'm doing sustainable for a very long time and realizing that you can't do the same thing for 30 years straight. Like you can't train the same way. Nobody can. Everybody's goals change. Everybody's life changes. Um, but health and you know your fitness journey is an important part of your life, and it should be for the rest of your life. And so finding a way to set yourself up to do it for the rest of your life and playing the you know the long term game. And so just get out of the day to day, focused on the results, and focus on um, yourself and the process and developing the habits. 
um, that are going to last a lifetime. I like it, man. It's it's a little different than the answer that I would have given for you. I would have said, "Hey, I'm Hunter. I read all the books, so you don't have to." That was <laughs> my. Too, yeah. I think that's like you know that's a great tagline. <laughs> we do the work, so you don't have to. <laughs> we do the work, so you don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. I've gained thirty pounds of muscle just because of how much Hunter works out. That's right. It's yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how that works. So. Yeah, I mean, and that's a and that's a big point too is that so many people they 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 come here because they they don't have to think about what they're doing whether it's good or not they just come in get a good workout and leave and if you if you keep doing that over time you're going to get a lot better but a lot of people do they get they get curious about crossfit they get into it they get excited they start following um other crossfit athletes and they see what they're doing and they're like well i think i need to do this or i think i need to do that or i need to I, look at this program this looks like a great program i i think i can get my squat up 30 pounds in 12 weeks and then I'm going to be so much stronger, but they don't understand how that's going to affect them um, in CrossFit, how it's going to affect them on everything else. And then when they get off the squat program and they get back to doing whatever they're going to do, then they lose half the half of the, the weight that they put on on their squat. And it's, it's this whole thing. And it's all the stuff that I've done. And so I'm, when I see other people doing it, I'm like, man, like, this, that's not the, this is not the way. Yeah, this is not the way. <laughs> yeah. Like I, know, I understand that you're extremely excited about it and it's fun and it's new and there's so much out there and I'm, I'm going to take this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And, and just getting people to understand like, like you need to stop trying to put all these pieces of the puzzle together because they don't fit together. You, you know, fo focus, on, focus on your own effort and stop worrying about whether what you're doing is right. Just focus on controlling what you can control and your effort and your recovery. Sounds like a outro music started. Yeah, yeah. Is that going to be a problem? Boom! <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's okay. Okay, so we now we get into outside the box? Yeah, we're still rolling. Oh, oh, oh. Outside the box! <laughs> <laughs> this is a, to get that that was there. the coldest <laughs> intro ever. Like, the bass oh, drops. Boom. Outside the box? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are keeping that. That's like the drive-by Oh, version. my gosh. All right, All right. so I, yeah, go I've actually it. been a little bit excited about this because it caused me to reflect on a part of my childhood long buried. Um, we're talking about costumes for Halloween. And top three at that, you know. So it was a real reach for me to even think of, of three times where I dressed up as something very specific. Um, I don't even know what qualifies as a top three. I guess it's how emotionally connected you are. Mm -hmm. Not sure, not sure. So we're gonna go around in the round, I guess, start with three and work our way down to one. Sure. Okay, all right, so I'll start with uh, three. Yes. All right. So three for me, one year I was a frog. Frog. Yes. Now, the backstory for this is that my mom actually made this costume. I'm talking about got the fabric, sat at a sewing machine. I had to be a frog in a school play, and it was able to <laughs> it was able to double duty. So I'm like, all right, so I'm in a school play as a frog. Now I get to go get candy as a frog. It was, it's just very memorable for me because I felt like this is a considerable amount of investment for a frog costume, you know. So I don't know. Now my mom may have just like bought it and then got kind of, got a more miles out of that costume than you ever thought you would. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. And you know, it made me think next year I may be a frog for Halloween. I don't know. So do it. Yeah. yeah just, it. Why not? Got a little bit of a backstory. Maybe I could get my mom to you know sew something together for next year. Who knows? So that, that's my number three. Just sentimental value. Um. So for me. Halloween has always been like 
figuring out what I'm gonna wear is always very stressful to me. I'm not a big dress up guy. Same. Um, like going into one of those Halloween stores is like it's so overwhelming and like it. I, I just get like really stressed out and anxious. And like, what am I supposed to wear? Like, none of this stuff fits me. What are the rules here? Yeah, like I don't know what I'm supposed to wear. And so, like, all of my best dress up memories are probably from childhood. But I will say, one time in college, it was like an hour before the Halloween party. I had no idea what I was going to wear. One of our roommates didn't either. And he was like, let's just wear our clothes backwards and go as crisscross. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. And we did it. Great call. And it was a hit. Big hit? Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, that's good. Hey, one of those guys is dead now, aren't they? That's they that's, are, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Still. Still. Man, Dark energy. turn. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of Halloween. Yeah, so anyway. That's awesome. One of them's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting better and better at this. We are. Yeah. All right, three, Chris. Um... Uh, Man, when I, when I was a kid, I, and we discussed this before we started recording, I was very like, but like Chase said, uh, Halloween was simply a transaction. I've got to wear a, a costume <laughs> to uh, in order to get uh, to get candy. So Chris I would has use. Been an adult a really long time. <laughs> I know this is a transaction. You know this. I mean, I really, this. I had no interest. I had no interest in the costume. I just wanted the candy. So most of the time, as a kid, I was like, I'm gonna throw some camouflage on. Like I'm an army man. Candy, please, and, uh, and so. But I did. But there was there was one year I do remember that I went. At, I splurged and went on the went as the Red Ranger, and uh, you know went to Party City, got the whole uh, the whole get up and all of that. Yeah, it's, that's it. There you go, Red Ranger. Red Ranger. No, yeah. Yeah, okay. no real no real backstory behind it. I get the sense number two. It's not two's. a frog. Yes, I mean it's no frog, but it's your number three. Yeah. So, all right, Chase, number three. All right. Uh, so I, I'm very mainstream with most of the Halloween stuff that I've done, but there was one year that I was exceptionally proud because I dressed as somebody shockingly not that many people knew. I went one year as Scorpion from, uh, Mortal Kombat. What? Nobody knew that? Exactly. What? Well, none of my friends, I should say. Okay. Which means their parents probably were doing a better job (laughs) at sheltering them at nine years old. (laughs) Right. But yeah, I I was... got his spine. Right. (laughs) The only thing I was missing, I was missing, I didn't have the grappling hook or anything like that because that would have been, that's not very feasible. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I would have abused that power. But I had I had the whole yellow and black get up. So even a costume has its limitations. Yes, it does. With the great power comes great responsibility. All right, so that's, <laughs> that's good. That's your number three. Uh, all right, my number two actually um, uh, was a personal victory for me because I'm with Hunter. Like I will avoid any dressing up for any reason ever. Always, it just drives me crazy. I hate it. I'm like. I will show up with those things not dressed up, right? I'm one of those guys. Uh, but you. Yeah, I know you do. But my, my senior year, a friend of mine who was a girl, not a girlfriend, a friend of mine who was a girl actually convinced me to dress up and, like, made the provisions for me to go as a hillbilly, which was pretty fun. You know, yeah. it's like the you got to borrow the boots, you get the overalls, no shirt, the straw hat. It was, you, know. you get to embrace your roots in a very real way. That's right. That's, nice. That's right. I was like, yeah. But under disguise. You yes. Know? And the cool part was, like, she was the hillbilly wife or whatever. So the reason it's my number two is because I was able to attend this party and not be so stressed out about being dressed up or not dressed up. There was a girl. She picked out the costume. Here we are. Yeah. So yeah. I, I liked it. That was a, a cool part of it for me. Yeah. 
my number two, I don't know if you ever heard of Salty the Songbook. Oh my god! <laughs> like the church play? Yeah. <laughs> Did you go with Salty? I went as Salty and my brother went as Rhythm. <laughs> And so we had like these car. Do you guys know what we're talking no, about? I it's a I hymnal. No it's a life size hymnal, and yeah. the face is in the spine. So I was, I, oh, my yeah. mom like made these cardboard like boxes, like for books. And uh, I was blue, and my brother was orange. <laughs> There's pictures of it. It's really funny. I was probably like six years Please old. Please make that your profile picture. <laughs> oh, yeah. I gotta go find it. Yeah. Y'all look it up. Y'all can look it up. It's... You went as a hymnal. Yeah. Salty the hymnal. Wow. Yeah. Why was it called Salty? Salt, salt and light. Yeah, salt. salt. Salty oh, the okay. singing songbook. Yeah. Whoa. I was not expecting that. <laughs> I am now incredibly intrigued for your number one. Veggie Tales level stuff, right? Yeah, there. it was like pre Veggie Tales. Speaking of Veggie Tales, Salty yeah. was, <laughs> was Veggie Tales before Veggie Tales were cool. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Uh, army Man. All right, Chase. Yeah. <laughs> army man again. Yeah, the, the Army Man. <laughs> All right. Um, no, mine. Uh, uh, in uh, in college, we had a big uh, Halloween party, and um, there was a. Uh, at the uh, at the time, the y'all remember y'all probably don't remember that show, uh, uh, Rock of Love, where uh, they're trying to What's set up. Uh, they're trying oh, to find yeah, Brett Michaels. Yeah. Yeah, 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 trying yeah. to find Brett Michaels a wife. Yeah, yeah. me and uh, me and uh, one of my one of my friends, we went as Brett and whoever the girl was who uh, who ended up winning that year. Mrs. Brett. The coolest version of The Bachelor, undoubtedly. Yeah, well, it, it was it was the first of that little run of shows, or yeah. actually, no, Flavor of Love was the first one, and okay. then Rock of Love came uh, came after that. <laughs> yeah, let's get our facts get straight. Fla- get Flavor Flavor, <laughs> man. <laughs> um, I just remember that the girl took a dump on the on the stairs on Flavor of Love. Of course, as you do. Hunter always remembers those key facts. See why I was, was a little bummed to be in L.A.? Really <laughs> you can defecate on a stairwell, but you can't pet a dog. No. Nope. Yeah. So, Brett Michaels. Brett Michaels. Yeah. You as Brett Michaels. So, did you have the, you know, the... Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Yep, I had that. I had, like, a, a friend of mine had the little, like, straw cowboy hat that you would get at, like, a, a, a surf style. You put over the Panama City. Oh, yeah. man. Way to go. Yeah. All right, so my number two... Incredibly cliche, but I was just elated to be able to do it. I dressed as Heath Ledger's Joker the year the Dark Knight came out with like scar tissue and everything. I found the perfect uh, purple shirt, the perfect green pants. Uh, my, my hair wasn't as long as it needed to be, but it's the longest it's been in a while, so I got to do the slick back green uh, dyed hair with the face paint and everything. Where, uh, so you did that the year it came out? What, 2008. Where did you go? Did you go to like a party or something? No, I was only in. You stress uh, up in the house. <laughs> no, I was still at Look the at age me. where I could uh, trick or treat because you know I'm significantly longer, younger than all. Oh, of them. Okay, okay, I guess okay. I forget that. How many other kids? Like, were, like was it like the episode of The Office when like no showed so up? Thankfully, <laughs> so. I was the only like pseudo nerd in my uh, in my neighborhood. So everybody oh, okay. else was doing football players and stuff like oh, that. There was a mil- there's a million paid Mannings. That's that's what was happening. <laughs> but I was the only joker. Mannings. It was incredible. And then I, I did I did go to a party. I went to a church party afterwards dressed as a psychopathic killer. Oh <laughs> my God. A, Hopping on bouncing castles and stuff like Hunter that. Hunter new book title. A Anybody ever do ever do the uh, <laughs> like the uh, the ironic ones or the uh, the um the punny ones like serial yeah. killer you know, I got a, a knife stabbed in a cereal box or anything <laughs> yeah. like that no, but I, I, that probably should have been the genre I owned if I were to move yeah. into that but uh, 
All right, so my number one can connects to the number two. It's like my, my safe place in these dress-up scenarios. Uh, one year I was uh, Don Draper and my wife Cammie was Betty Draper. Oh, nice. That's and, cool. Uh, you know, so pull, I just used like that fashion and uh, I was able to flip a cigarette uh, from my hand into my mouth at that party. Wow. Uh, so it had like a, a cool moment there. Something my dad actually taught me to do. <laughs> At a young age. Yeah, you, lay, you know, you lay the cigarette down between your fingers and then you hit your arm and it flips and rotates a couple of times and then lands in your mouth the correct way. You guys ever seen anybody do that? No. It's pretty difficult to do. So, um, I don't know. Apparently, you have to be raised in rural Mississippi, A, to have the time and access to cigarettes at a very young age. And the headmaster is a dad. I like to That's see right. some kid flip a vape into his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> Bunch of whippersnappers. Uh, so, anyway, it, w- it was a fun party and. Uh, who doesn't want to be John, certain parts of Don Draper from time to time? Uh, he's the man. Couldn't agree yeah. more. Yeah, so that's my number one. Top Don Draper, everyone. Uh, when I was a kid, I was a huge teen, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan. I, kn- I somehow knew Did this was Did we all coming. knew? I knew it too. I knew it was going to show up. Incredible. You so sorry, I, sorry, sorry. Wait, no, let's make a guess. Oh, okay. Is, uh, is it Raphael, Michelangelo, Leonardo? Here's the thing. I know I'm wrong, but all of me hopes is he, that he would have Splinter. All of me hopes he was the rat. Raphael, Raphael's red, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking Raphael. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Leonardo. It was absolutely Leonardo. I'm gonna go with Leonardo. Has to be. Donatello. Oh, oh my purple. Yeah, purple. Yeah, the purple. Yeah, that was my favorite one. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Actually, actually, no, I that, like actually, I know that, that that does make sense. He was the one reading all the books. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. The experiment. I was just like, I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> all this time hearing your story and then Donatello crash and burn. So was it like a store bought deal? Or are you like? How, how no, it was a homemade thing. Yeah, oh man, are there, is there a picture evidence of this? Yeah, I'm yeah, sure there is. I, I, I bet your mom it. made some killer. Yeah, no, my mom was really good at making costumes. Yeah. I did Raphael one sense. year, but it was for uh, Homecoming Week. Still the best we've ever done. It was great. Mm. But we did like the Sam's Club version. <laughs> we had like felt yeah. paper cutouts yeah. and stuff. Yeah, turtles on the hat. When shop. I had to start making my own costumes, was when Halloween went downhill. Real yeah, thank God for thank God for mom. That's right. Yeah. All right, number one, Army guy. All right, Chase. <laughs> no, uh, I think it was actually it was uh, last year we had the uh, the Halloween party out at the uh, the Owens house. Me and uh, me and Katie went as uh, Wayne and Garth from Wayne's World. I saw yeah. pictures of this. Yeah, that's yeah. a, a it awesome was, classic couple one. And it was more it was more probably. I got. I, I think. I think Katie pulled off Garth a lot better. She like had her hair frayed out and mm-hmm. all of that. Had drumsticks with her. And yeah, stuff. Yep. yeah. She killed it. Yeah, it was great. So yeah, Wayne and Garth. So, so your wife's better than you at Halloween. Fan, uh, yeah, by by a long shot. <laughs> by a long shot. Yeah, <laughs> like you're like the football movies of Halloween. Absolutely. Yeah. So. <laughs> my turn. Yeah. All right. So my number one isn't because of creativity or anything like that. It was the ability to to celebrate being in football at the time and puberty doing what it does best and taking you from a scrawny 90, 90 pounds this to 7th grade. a very interesting turn. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how to predict what's happening. So I get, from, from ninth grade to 10th grade, puberty hit me like a freaking truck with like, in terms of like size and stuff like that and I was incredibly... Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm going to keep using this loosely. You don't say. <laughs> My body grew in mysterious ways. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I gained a lot, I gained a lot of muscle mass between ninth grade and tenth grade. What happened and, to it? <laughs> oh. <laughs> He, he used it all that Halloween. <laughs> all right, I went to Spider Man and it was fun. <laughs> Still kind of works, <laughs> considering the tightness of the uh, oh, the man. outfit. Yeah, you're never gonna be the out of shape Spider Man. That's that's good. That is true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your metabolism just wouldn't allow it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the end of really pulled the rug out of underneath me. I went as Spider Man. It was fun. Glad we talked about puberty for three minutes <laughs> for about twenty seconds. So, uh, according to Chase, recommends would be puberty. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the best yeah, drug yeah. on the market. Man, the things it does for your body. <laughs> I can't recover. <laughs> Oh, my face hurts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How do we go to this? Honor save us. Recommend something. Uh, oh, okay. uh, recommend a book. Uh, Stillness is the key, Ryan Holiday. It's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he said. That's like right. He said. <laughs> it may not have been picked up. Totally like, that oh good. my God. Totally that yeah, good. Yeah, it's a great book. Uh, Runs so far off the rails. <laughs> there's a it was, there's a lot more in into it than I was expecting. Um, it's just f- fascinating book. I'd highly recommend reading it. Easy read too. You actually stole my recommend. I'm reading it right now. You like it? Much slower than you. But yeah, it's uh, I think it's one of those. This is the third book in basically a series. Mm-hmm. You didn't know that until they released the second one that I'm aware of. But uh, I think this last one is, like, he's just really nailed it. I listened to a podcast the other day where he was <coughs> talking about how difficult it was to write that chapter on JFK. Yeah. And it's the thing that hooked me. I was sitting in the bookstore, and I'm like, ah, maybe I've already read this with Obstacle is the Way. But, man, when he starts telling that JFK story, I'm in. Yeah. Totally in. So I would, I would recommend it. Even for people who don't read ever at all anything ever. Yeah, it's an easy read. It's Fine, easy. I'll read it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very good. Still, Plus, I think the message is very timely. <coughs> the the obstacles the way, that sort of stuff of, like, what's in your way you can actually face and defeat. He said it in a new way, but it's it's an older message. Yeah. This new one of stillness is the key, bringing in that stoicism into modern day life, which I think that's where he's a genius, is connecting these really old life philosophies to what you're facing every day. Yeah. It's a very helpful book. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, mine, um, uh, I'm actually going to recommend a uh, interview that I that I listened to. A, Last week it was. Um, it's from the uh, the Rubin Report. I don't know if y'all know who Dave Rubin is. Yeah. So if you don't know who Dave Rubin is, he was uh, he used to be like a very very like a kind of a far uh, far left on the political uh, spectrum. He's a uh, an atheist and all these all these other things. But anyway, he's kind of a, a shifted. I, I wouldn't necessarily say like he's shifted to the right or anything like that. But his mission now is he want he wants to provide a platform where he brings in people that disagree with him and show that you can disagree and have uh, and still have civil uh, discourse. So he had um, he also he listens to his his subscribers to his subscriber base and they people were begging him for the longest time to get uh, Ravi Zacharias on his show who is a uh, he doesn't call himself a Christian apologist because of a Christian thinker, I guess. But anyway, they he has him on the show. They have an incredible discussion about uh, about uh, morality and um, 
uh, and just uh, and spiritual things like that, and it's an incredible conversation. I highly recommend you can you can find it on YouTube. Just look up Ruben Report, Ravi Zacharias, really good yeah. stuff. Ravi R A V I. Yeah, R-A-V-I. don't try to spell Zacharias. Just yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll Ravi will get up. you there. Ravi yeah. will get you there. Yeah, yeah, that's where you can stop. All right, Chase, you recommend? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I have an actual recommend. Oh. It's it's very mainstream, but. Uh, I still think there's probably a lot of people out there who haven't hopped on the hype train, and you should. And it's the the YouTube uh, kind of pseudo podcast interview format, uh, Hot Ones. Uh, oh, man. Have, have been, y'all not heard of this? You've been killing mm-hmm. these lately, haven't you? My gosh. Okay, so what it is, is there's a company called uh, And Then We Feast, or Then We Feast, something like that. And they put out this podcast uh, about two years ago or three years ago called Hot Ones, where there's ten, they, they cook or fry ten wings and put them in, uh, put ten different levels of hot sauce on them, mm-hmm. like ranging from essentially a one to a ten, ten being like the hottest, like two million on the Scoville yeah. charts, like on pretty probably illegal. But <laughs> what they do is they bring uh, celebrities or just people, uh, you know, kind of in culture that are well known, and bring them on there and ask them questions. Uh, essentially, they're most uh, defenseless because they're like gasping for air and so they it, I don't something about it really brings the walls down yeah and the guy that this interviewer his name's Sean asked bar none the best questions I've ever heard in an interview uh, and it, it's like a meme how how well he is or how good he is at asking questions it's like oh. super well known about it you would like it a lot so then. the gazillion of them where do we start which one is the um, I really like uh, well if if you want to kind of on-ramp into it and just kind of get a middle-of-the-road interview, uh, Ashton Kutcher is a good one to start with because, like, it's not it's not the best one that's ever been on there, but it's still pretty good. And he, he's in the technology sector, so it's not just all about the 70s show and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting interview, but there's Bill Burr's on there. He just had Nick Offerman, uh, people like that. He got uh, the chef uh, Gordon Ramsay on there, which was unreal. Fire. It was fire. Yeah, <laughs> the first one Good that one. popped up um, when I searched was Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd's maybe the best one that's ever been done. There you go. But you don't start there because it peaks. Mm. So build your way up. Steve yes. Austin's on here. Steve oh. Austin's oh, is hilarious. Man. Stone Cold Steve Austin puts the stunner on spicy wings. <laughs> the titles are part of some of the best parts. Does of everybody it. make it to ten? No. Really? Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah, I am interested. I was there's even different that. levels because like some people just take one bite of the wing and then they just got to put it away and then there's some people that just clean it. And I, it's a miracle they're alive. <laughs> I tried to eat one of what was it, the tongue torch one at uh, what was that wing place called? Wingstop. Wing Have you tried oh, that before? God, that place. Don't ever try it. Bad, huh? Oh, it's awful, awful. Why like, do people put themselves through that? Begging for milk. Dish to say they've done it because there's no pleasure. Because I don't. Like, it can't it. be that hot. It can't. It, it can it be. Is. Oh it is. yeah, it's of course don't it is. All right, so it's hot ones. Yes, the hot ones. I, yeah. I can't wait to put that in Google. Go to YouTube. All right, I think that wraps up another beautiful episode. Did you? Oh, you recommended the same thing as Hunter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. what was that? Just like a little knock there at the end. Yeah. Just a little oh, you, oh, you don't really have a recommendation. <laughs> oh no, I didn't want to skip you. You are being a major turd this episode, oh. and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> episode over. The end. <laughs>
silky smooth sounds.